0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here at the Saved Sanctuary. I'm Fixie. I'm joined by my friend Ryan. Hey, guys. Uh, Wit is not here, unfortunately, so stepping in for him is Steven. What's up? And our friend JJ. Hey, guys. And today we are joined by two uh, special guests of ours. It is my roommate Ethan. Season's greetings. And... Uh, his lovely fiance Morgan. Howdy. So um, today, uh, it's actually our first, um, our first segment of Believe in Bravely. Um, today's subject is biblical figures. Um, but first, uh, you guys don't know us, um, so we are going to tell you a little bit about ourselves. Um, talk a little bit about our testimonies and how we came to Christ. Um, so who who wants to go first? I'll go. All right, bet.
1: Yeah, uh, my name's Stephen. Um, short, long, tor- long story short, I was lost, but now I'm found. And the way I went about doing that, or the way the Lord went about doing that, really, is I spent my entire life growing up in church, and I had spent uh, most of that time kind of just going through the motions, and I never really made it my own because um, most of us growing up kind of just adopt our parents' theology or our parents' way of thinking, and we never really give thought to it ourselves. Um, but I was, uh, I'll say, probably sophomore, junior in high school when I really started to take hold of it and make it my own, and the Lord was working in my heart um, through some stuff that was going on in my own life. Um, just well, I won't bore you with that right now. Um, but in the Lord was working, and I was able to see how he was working. Um, senior year when— I started coming to the church that we all attend, Mercy Hill, and I was able to see really what he was doing in my life, and um, that's where it just uphill from there. Um, I was saved at a young age, and I do believe that my salvation lined up, um, and it was the right time for me, but I never really grasped or made it my own, really, until junior or senior year of high school.
0: Don't you also lead, like, Three different Bible studies.
1: I, I think, yeah, I lead three uh, three different groups. Um, I'm involved in student ministry with our church, and I lead a student's group with the eighth grade guys. Uh, I've been with them since sixth grade. My goal is to go with them all the way through twelfth grade because um, when I was a senior, my group leader at the time had done that with the guys that he was with, including myself, even though I wasn't there that long. Um, so I'll, I've been with them since sixth grade and I'll go with them all the way through, uh, 12th grade. And then the second group that I lead is a Bible study at my own house, um, with my mom and dad and, um, or my mom and dad's house. (laughs) They aren't involved with the Bible study, but, uh, yeah, so we have a pretty good amount of people that come. I started that probably a year and a half ago. Um, and the Lord has definitely blessed, um, Definitely bless the amount of people that come and bless the conversation that um, comes from it, and it's been a real, it's been a real uh, joy to see people come and new people come and to meet new people and to uh, make relationships. And the third group I lead is a family group um, for the college ministry at Mercy Hill. So, yeah,
0: um, Thomas leads the one. Yeah, with so I, we
1: have a friend named Thomas who leads with me on Wednesday nights. Um, Two of the groups take place on Sundays, and then the college Bible study is on uh, Wednesday nights at 7.30.
0: Awesome. Um, Yeah. yeah. Uh, Anyone else have a testimony they want to share? Ethan?
2: It Voluntold. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I think it's uh, quite similar. Uh, I'm from upstate New York originally, and uh, something I really... Um, didn't experience till I came down south was essentially the the difference in life um, between kind of what is a uh, what's a good word for it a uh, a faith that's something that's uh, more of a cultural thing as opposed to actually it changes the way that you live and uh, yeah I was not a uh, a believer for many many years and that uh, really began to change when I started to go to college um, I think some seeds were planted in my in my head in my heart before that for sure. Um, but uh, kind of like Stephen said, uh, I started attending Mercy Hill. Phew, better part of was it two years now? Two years, give or take. And uh, yeah, it's hard to tell exactly when, but it was fantastic. Me there was wonderful. Hit you like a ton of bricks when you walked in. And uh, something I have really enjoyed is just the the very alive faith uh, that is there. And yeah, so currently uh, I co lead a Bible study here on campus, and I also am. Uh, yeah just kind of in that stage of life right now where I'm trying to look and see what's uh what what's the next steps and what what are the what are the talents and desires um, I've been gifted with but yeah, short and sweet, but I feel like it's one of those things where it's uh it's it really kind of like Stephen said where it's like you don't you don't really realize how how valuable how real a faith is until um, yeah often until a little bit later in your life and you know hopefully have very many years ahead of me to uh, yeah to to continue to to serve and yeah to follow Christ.
0: Someone in a similar stage of life, uh, like you, Ethan, is uh, JJ here in the studio. Um, JJ, what what, does uh, what your testimony look like? What did uh, what did
3: growing up uh, look like for you? So, hi, I'm JJ. I'm a senior here. What it looked like for me was always in the church, right? So, my dad at first, when I was young, was an evangelist. So, we would go to churches, and we would share the gospel and preach with them, and It was really great to see and as I grew up we went to a church that's close to home like five minutes away from my house and that's where we met a great pastor friend of ours that's still really close to us and near and dear to my heart Um, and that's where he mentored our family and taught my brother and I the music side of the church and my dad from there led a church in Stratford Connecticut and that's where we were pastoring, and then, sadly, our friend left to go to Jacksonville, and we took over that church. And just, like, seeing what God's doing there is really inspiring and really great to see. Three of my, my brother and my closest friend from back home are leading in a part of the worship team there, which is just a joy to see. And what really was a hard point in my life was transitioning from senior year in high school and going into college. Because in that moment of time where COVID's there and hits you like a brick and then you can't see people that you love and you cherish in your life was really hard. And that's just a part of my story that I always love to share because even when you have that tough moment, you realize that God is still with you. And even though you may not see it sometimes, you always remember that and it's a joy. But more my personal story is I dealt with a lot as a kid, Um, a lot of ear infections affected my balance my speech, my way of life. But um, I just remember always that God was always with me. And I made the decision very young, at a six years old, at a Christian opening like ceremony for a basketball league I was in. And that was awesome, just like the community that was built there. And ever since then, trying to live the way Jesus wants me to live. And coming to college joining a great college ministry here and with great friends that we're joined here today by it's just a joy and a privilege to be with so,
0: that has to great. be intimidating as a kid uh, just going around like with your dad just like talking about the gospel like n- you as a like, little kid don't know much about like Jesus other than like he died for you and uh, like he went around preaching um, so you had to be like pretty confused as a little kid going around with your dad just like him talking about all that to random strangers
3: yeah it was it was really weird at first, but it was also a great learning experience as well and also too my mom was a Sunday school teacher, so just like having that privilege of knowing the gospel and knowing what the bible says was just a great honor and privilege to be in that
1: can relate can <laughs> my mom my mom was my uh a youth group leader in, in <laughs> elementary school. <laughs> she moved up with me too. She followed me around. It was kind of funny. Uh, oh, dude, I yeah. Hated and that. It was funny because uh, she would also lead worship at for like the kids stuff. So like in in third <laughs> through fifth grade, that was like the time of my life. Like it was where I spent the most time with my mom in church, and then yeah. the rest of the time when I would be spending with my dad would be at home um, because mom would be my group leader, and so she would always get on to me because I was I was a little goober right I, I messed around all the time and it was funny because she would always be there and she'd be like if I was messing around during worship or whatever my friends and I were talking like we shouldn't be during during kids worship she would come off the stage and like tell me to be quiet no, no yeah, yeah for real like, oh, yeah. it was horrible but you know I wouldn't take back a single thing because it was hilarious honestly now that I look back on it <laughs>
0: <laughs> Morgan what about you what did uh, growing up look like for you
4: so uh, grew up in the Catholic Church, as I'm also from Syracuse, New York. Catholic faith is much different than Southern Baptist Church. And so growing up Catholic, didn't really know who Jesus was. And so coming down to college, there was just something in me that I knew, like, the party lifestyle, normal, average college lifestyle, like, wasn't for me. And so we started exploring young life on campus. And although going to church was off, was very much a culture shock compared to Catholic (laughs) church. There was still something that, like, piqued my interest. And it wasn't until my second semester freshman year where I met my big, when I joined a sorority, Chloe, who had been going to Mercy Hill, where she started talking to me about her faith, talking to me about Jesus. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. But going to Mercy Hill again, culture shock. So I don't want to say I didn't like it, but... It was just very weird to me at first. And so, kind of just went about life, freshman, sophomore year. And then really my junior year, we started going to um, Mercy Hill a lot more. That's and when I met you guys? That's when, yep. Yeah. <laughs> that
0: was pretty common up in uh, upstate New York. Uh, people were either Catholic or Lutheran, right?
4: Those are the two. Or Protestant. Oh, okay. As well. But
0: I, I mean, Luther, Lutheran is a Protestant, isn't it? Uh, forget you can't hear me over here. Yeah, it's it's part of their, like the reform tradition. Okay, uh,
2: yeah, def- definitely more okay. traditional style is what I'd say. Kind of looks I'd say would be more what you're, what she'd be used to up there. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's awesome.
2: Yeah,
4: but, and then this time last year is when I joined uh, the Wednesday night family group, where which is really like where I met
0: George like, and <laughs> Awesome! Shout out to them.
4: Where I could kind of just like learn the love that Jesus has for us. And going to the call conference that spring semester, I'd been dealing, still do, with, like, a lot of anxiety of, like, the past and stuff. And so just when the pastor was talking, he he actually said my name in the in the sermon, which was, like, kind of crazy. And he, he brought up a chair and was like, just rest. And I was like, that's definitely the Lord's talking to me. <laughs> and so <laughs> then awesome. we came back from the call, got baptized. And yeah,
0: that's awesome. Yeah. Um, awesome. Me personally, um I always grew up in the church. Um I grew up in the Presbyterian church um in a little town called New Albany, Ohio. Um Yo,
1: Ohio stinks, dude. dude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Agree to disagree. <laughs> um, yeah, so what's up? I'm Fixie. Um I yeah, so like I said, I grew up in the church, grew up in a little town called New Albany, Ohio. Um, yeah, so I grew up in the Presbyterian church. Um, I am one of seven kids. Um, so growing up, it was also like, it was just, it was, it was chaotic, really. Um, wouldn't, wouldn't change it for the world, though. Um, so yeah, would we, church was very much uh, an every week thing. Um, for us growing up, um, looking back at it now, I don't really remember too much. Just growing up in general in the church, other than going to Sunday school and um, my mom trying to drag me out of the house to get me to go. <laughs> um, but uh, approaching middle school, uh, didn't kind of became less consistent in going every Sunday. Um, And then I got involved with a different church called 514 Church, um, non-denominational, kind of Southern Baptist-esque. Started going to their uh, middle school and then high school ministry all throughout uh, high school. Um, But yeah, I kind of just, I looked for a lot of my worth in girls' relationships and just kind of uh, was really hard on myself uh, because growing up in a family of seven kids, uh, there was a lot of high expectations. Um, so, yeah, trying to keep up with those and just, like, everyday life was a little daunting, um, for me personally. And so, yeah, uh, as you can imagine, me looking for my self-worth and relationships and girls and all that sort of stuff can lead to a lot of negative parts and, uh, led to depression, uh, when I would get dumped, um, and just kind of all this stuff that ended up, uh, ended up, I don't know. But uh, towards my senior year of high school, um, yeah, uh, got dumped again. Um, and then I started taking quiet time a lot more seriously. And that kind of eventually, like freshman year of high school, I got baptized, but I didn't really know what it meant to be, uh, like, have Christ as my center. Um, so towards my senior year of high school, Started taking quiet time more seriously, doing it every day, kind of got in the habit of doing it. And that is just that, that was when my faith took off. Um, Yeah, that was when my faith took off. Um, Ended up uh, getting back together with my now girlfriend that who broke up with me that uh, senior year. And because of how much I centered Christ around my life, our relationship had never been better. It was way better than before we broke up. Um, I find myself looking for Jesus in prayer, in quiet time. That's where my worth comes now rather than before. Um, I looked for a lot of my worth in her. was very dependent on her emotionally. And yeah, no, that just eventually led to a very unhealthy relationship. But now because of Christ, the relationship has never been
3: better.
1: Yeah. Would you say, uh, like when you talk about how like you were baptized and you gave your life to Christ but kind of just didn't understand at the time really what that meant would you say that you understand now and it's just kind of like you're living for the lord now as opposed i mean like would you say that it was like your salvation was then and there and you are now like you realize it now and you're just everything you do is considering you consider and acknowledge Christ in everything you do now?
0: No, I, I would definitely say when I got baptized, I was definitely already saved because I had accepted Christ. But I, I would say I definitely took advantage mm-hmm. of his grace. Yeah, and no, 100%. His, um, As humans tend to do. Yes, cr- <laughs> um, very much so. Yeah, no, I definitely took advantage of his grace. Uh, and looking back at it now, uh, I don't regret any of my decisions because it's uh, what those – I'm the man – I am today because of those decisions, and Christ has redeemed me um, from those decisions, yeah. and has allowed me to grow because of repentance from those decisions. But if I were to go back in that moment, I, I, I would, knowing what I know now, I would definitely make a different decision. Yeah, um, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
5: All right. Um, so my name is Ryan. I'm originally from Southern Maryland, and I'm a sophomore here at HPU. Um, I just recently came into the arms of Christ, um, thanks to everyone in this room. Um, A few months ago, I was feeling lost and confused and alone, and one thing led to another. Um, I was at a Bible study, and that led to me being at church for the first time in probably three or four years.
1: Whose Bible study was that, Ryan? It was Luke and Ethan. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Yeah, it was. Let's go.
0: Let's go um well, and he also goes to steven's yeah, sunday bible study
1: i'm not heard of anything
5: <laughs>
0: you're not important yeah so um yeah so everyone in this room has uh selected biblical figures to speak on um Yeah, so they're going to go into, like, they picked a person out of the Bible. Um, They're going to go into a little bit about the person and just kind of how, I guess, guide their faith in a way or just, like, how they've impacted their faith and what lessons they've learned from them. Yeah. Um, So, Ryan, you want to go first?
5: Yeah, I'll go first. Um, So I chose the character or the transition from Saul to Paul as my story. Um, Saul was... I mean, later known as Paul, but he was an early Christian persecutor. Um, He was also notable in his role for the stoning of Stephen. Um, And really this story means a lot to me because before, like a few years ago, I had gone to church, but I wasn't, like, taking it seriously. Um, And when Saul was blinded and um, he was prayed on to restore his sight, he believed in the Lord, and, um, and yeah, and then he became Paul and believed in the Lord, and
1: everything was great from there. It's a great story. Yeah. It's true. It's like it speaks to the testimony of how God can use whoever He wants. You know, yeah. um, that's I mean, that's important to understand. It's like some people, out of a like, out of out of kind of just like. In in an intended sense of humility, but it's kind of like putting themselves down. It's like saying, "Oh God would God could never use me. I'm not good enough." Right? God can use whoever He wants, and He does use whoever He wants because it it proves time and time again. We see characters in the Bible like Rahab, you know, who who hid Josh and Caleb right from the um, from the people in Jericho, right? And then God blessed her lineage to the point where Jesus is from her lineage. Like that's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, and I I love, I like, and Paul's, I And
0: Paul's background's definitely um, worth noting because oh, yeah. he, he literally murdered Christians. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, Matt from, yeah, murder to missionary, dude. Yeah. yeah. Like, good to bad, or, yeah, or yeah. bad good, sorry. <laughs> bad <to> good, sorry, <laughs> yeah, sorry, he just, sorry. Gets, he just gets worse. <laughs> yeah, we, we, like,
0: and it, it definitely goes to show because, like, people, uh, you don't want to be defined by your background, but no. your background is definitely part of your story. Mm, yeah. Because, uh, spe- okay. uh, like, without your background, it's, you you need to remember your background in a way that you look back at it and be like oh yeah Christ brought me out of that in in our in our own little twisted way um i definitely think we all have darkness inside of us oh yeah and when we look back at our past you can see all that darkness come to fruition and um you definitely think when you look at your past and before Christ uh, you look at yourself like, "dang, I was in such a hard time. I was such in a dark time, but if Christ can bring me out of that dark time, he can bring anyone else out of there yeah it, no matter what kind of background they have
1: well, yeah, um we have a friend named Ben, and he has he coined a phrase he and I were going through a similar phase of life last year, um and he coined a phrase and i 'm it it might've been from him. I know what the phrase is. Either it's from him. (laughs) I use it all the time. Either it's from him or he, you know, stole it from somebody. But, you know, he always told me it's like the greater the test, the greater the testimony, you know? And it's like, you know, we discount and we, we, we take ourselves out of the equation based off of what we've gone through. But what we've gone through is the very, is the very, you know, essence of our qualification to speak on it. You know, it's like, I've lived this terrible life. I have no right to speak about the faithfulness of God. God was faithful, and he brought you out of that phase of your life, right? That is why you have a right to talk about it, right? I mean, the, only, the one thing a person can't refute is your own testimony. It's like you can't say that I haven't felt what I felt, right? Um, because it did happen, and I did feel that, right? That's like I – and mean, that's just an example. And I think Ben coined it pretty well when he said, you know, the harder of the test, the greater the testimony, you know, because our testimony is what makes us up.
0: Ryan, do you have anything other to expand on? He, yeah, Paul? Um, I mean, this
5: story hits home for me because a few months ago, um, I mean, I'm just going to be honest, I was gay, and then some bad stuff happened, and I found the Lord, and He found me, and um, I turned away from the uh, away from the dark.
1: Yeah. yeah. How would like when you think about Saul, like when you think about him on his road to Damascus, how does that kind of how would you relate that to your own life? Like you're on, you were on the road to Dism- to Damascus in your own life, and Jesus made Himself incredibly apparent to you. Like, how would you describe that moment? Take your time. That's
0: your time. deep. Yeah. No, that's, that's very <laughs> deep. I, I, I know that's a
1: deep question, but hey, man, what are we here for? You it's know, yeah, that's, that's wow. valid.
5: <laughs> um, are you talking about like when God? The light, kind of like, the, yeah, so the like, kind light.
1: of, kind of when you realize that, like, man, I am in a hard spot, like, I am in a rough position right now, and I wouldn't have realized that, like, had had Jesus not spoken to you in the way that he did, would you, do you think you would have realized I mean, what's up, like, what was going on in your life? Probably not, probably not, yeah. yeah. yeah no, no,
0: because I remember, crazy. I remember meeting you, like, Brian brought you over to, yeah. uh, we, if for those of you who don't know, uh, obviously like football, most right? of, most yeah 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 um he no I actually met you because we went to dinner all yeah, we went at to get, prime yeah yeah yeah
1: and then he started coming to the flag football yeah days. and
0: then he started coming over a little bit more consistently um and then he. Uh, started coming to flag football. And then I remember your parents coming. <laughs> coming. Yeah. Yeah. Your parents came into the What? Ap- I don't know why, but Brian brought them over to the apartment I for think, for whatever Bri- reason. I
5: think Brian came to dinner with us. I
0: yeah, yeah, that's right. And so um, I think it was either you or Brian mentioned, like, hey, uh, Luke leads a Bible study. Um and they're like, oh wait, really? They're like, you need to take Ryan. And, you know, <laughs> I was Dang like, oh. I was like, okay. Dang. And so I I, I remember yeah. going up to Ryan. I was like, Ryan, do you want to go to a Bible study? Absolutely no pressure whatsoever. And yeah, the rest is history. Heck
1: yeah, bro. Yeah, love that. That's it, cool. And like, is we all have these like road to Damascus stories. Yeah. And I think like when we can draw so many great examples from spell, from Saul, who turned into Paul. His previous life and his journey to become a believer, yeah. right? I mean, Jesus literally blinded him and asked him why he was persecuting him. Yeah. You know, like it's crazy, and I love, I love that. Thanks for yeah. expanding on that.
0: Yeah. Um. So, Stephen, who who did you choose?
1: Um, I'm, you know, I kind of cheated a little bit because uh, the Bible study that I'm doing is doing a study on David, so I figured I'd just do David because. Make life easier for me. <laughs> um, uh, wow, honestly, taking the yeah, easy way yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it works, so it'll be all right. Um, you know, for me, it's, I realize that David is a character of the Bible who, and the reason we're doing him on Sunday nights is to try and divulge into the reason why he's considered a man after God's own heart. Um, you know, David is not anyone, he's not like a different breed of human. He is the same. Um, human that i am right he's on the same level of of just salvation from when he was born he needed christ just as much as i do you know um and you get to see like for me personally i see david as a a relating character on every stage of life like i feel like as a young man he's a great example of having faith in the lord as um as an older like a like i'll i'll say this a young professional if you will (laughs) i know it's kind of a i don't know yeah whatever Um, but it's like I see him as humble too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What was that? (laughs) Um, but you know I see just at all stage of his stages of his life, he was very, I mean, incredibly faithful to the Lord. You know, um, and there are times when you know he falls into a bad spot. I mean, like. If you want to look at it specifically, I mean, his time when he has an affair with Bathsheba, you know, and to the point where he's so willing to keep doing this with Bathsheba where, to where he will put her actual husband in harm's way in order to get him out of the way of their affair, you know. Um, and you know, obviously he wrote Psalms, and it's just a it's a huge point of, of, you know, to understand it's just like, you know, most of the Psalms are crying, or like just cries out to the Lord of, of joy. There's sadness, there's depression, there is confusion, right? Um, David being confused with why the Lord still loves him and has favor on him. I mean, like that's at any point in my life, that's pretty much like me, like, God, why do you still love me after everything that I do? I mean, like, I know when I sin, you know, Holy Spirit is working inside me to, convict me of that sin to make sure that I know that I went against what God has designed, right? And I'm reminded of the fact that God loves me regardless of everything that I do, you know? Like, He He has so much grace and mercy, like, that I don't deserve, you know? And it's hard for me to wrap my head, and it's confusing to understand, why does this God who created the universe and who sent His Son down to die love me so much? Um, and the Psalms are just a really good example of that, you know, that just David... That David wrote, but David as a person really intrigues me because, you know, some people, people without context, they read stuff about and then find out stuff about David. It's like, okay, he killed this guy named Goliath in a war. Um, he killed this guy, this woman's husband, right? And because he was having an affair. Okay, there's two ends of the spectrum. A, he was being incredibly faithful to the Lord. And understanding that no matter what happens in that situation, he'll provide for him, right? And then there's the other spectrum where I'm taking control into my own hands because I've messed up and I'm. it's too late for me to repent and ask for forgiveness. So I'm going to keep having the lie and having the affair because I don't believe God can reconcile this with me, right? And so you see two ends of the spectrum and he's like, man, I really understand now, right? Why? Because even through all of that, he repents and he asks God for forgiveness, right? I mean – most of psalms is just a cry out to the lord asking for forgiveness and and expressing a joy in being grateful for god's forgiveness. So, I really I mean, I love David. I think he's a great character and definitely a um just a person who I've really enjoyed studying recently. Um it just gives so much more insight to how man, just how god can work and what it really means to be a man after god's own heart, especially as a dude, uh, I want to be a man after God's own heart, not only for me but for my future spouse as well, you know, so that I'll be able to lead well and honestly, for my friends, because you know I've enjoyed pouring into them and they and I've enjoyed having them pour into me as well, you know I mean I've been blessed by God to have friends who love the Lord just as much as they love me, or even more than they love me, and that overflows, and you know
0: yeah but yeah. It's very hard to grow alone. That's, no, it is.
1: It is. I mean, you can't. When it's just like the old saying, it was "like you are who you hang with." That yeah. is extremely true. I mean, like you never really realize it until you. Oh, I did not realize it yeah, <laughs> until. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have I have another friend um, who I grew up with and we hung out with a lot, um, but he he started surrounding himself with the wrong people, and you could tell that it was affecting the way he lived. And I had, I had, you know, addressed him on, I tried to hold him accountable and he wouldn't listen to me. Right. And he just goes down this even for, he goes down even further into the rabbit hole of falling away from the Lord. Right. And, you know, it was just hard for me to watch, but it's like on the other side of the spectrum, I've surrounded myself with people who I know have a desire to love the Lord. And I've seen how I've grown through that. And so after seeing that and seeing how I've grown, it's like, I can't help but want that for other people, you know?
0: Right. You know, JJ knows the ideal of having influences, <laughs> <laughs> especially with us as a friend group.
1: Oh my, oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> my we yeah, have no. a bad, we have a bad effect on JJ. Uh-huh. I feel like you have a bad effect on me, my friend. <laughs> oh, <dude>. Yeah, <laughs> no,
3: but it's fun. It's fun. It's great. No, it's we
0: ha- we have, have a good time. Don't worry. I I, I promise we glorify the. Lord. No, we do. Oh, <laughs> we do. Yeah, we, we, we do.
3: do. We do.
1: We're 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 goons. We're definitely goons. I would use that word to describe us.
0: E- Ethan can definitely attest to that, especially <laughs> being my roommate and all. Yes.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, yeah, do you have anything more to expand on that, Stephen?
1: Uh, in what area? I mean, just, really?
0: uh, uh, just about David in general.
1: Uh, mm.
0: I guess, like, how has David affected you and your relationships?
1: Like relationships with a female, or like, like what do you mean? Friends, like general, female. Fr- okay, yeah. yeah. Um, man, I think that in an aspect of humility, you know, it's there's two situations. Like Saul was king, right, and he was aware that I guess he was aware um, of David basically being pronounced as the next king after Saul, but it hadn't happened yet, right? So, um, God had promised to David that he would be made king, right? That promise is true. And in another, in Genesis, it talks about God promising to Abraham, your generations will be as many as the stars, right? Um, and they will come from the son that you have with your wife. Um, and, you know, we, we see in two situations, Saul trying to take control of that situation um, to basically try and overthrow the will of the Lord. And it, it, the people in the room know because they come to Bible, my Bible study on Sunday <laughs> night. Sorry, I lose the ability to speak every now and then. Um, and they know it's like we've been talking about how Saul tries to take control into his own hands and basically tell God, no, I'm king. This is my kingdom, right? And in Genesis, we see Abraham take control into his own hands with, you know, undermining God's faithfulness by having a son with Hagar, his 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 uh, wife's slave or something like mistress that. Mistress or whatever. Mistress, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, and so – it's only when, you know, Abraham has Isaac, right, that he, you know, is told, you know, hey, go, go up on the mountain and s- sacrifice your son for me, right? And Abraham, without a doubt in his mind, says, I will. Yes, Lord. But it's only because he had two mindsets. It was either that, you know, God would provide another son after he sacrifices Isaac or that God would raise Isaac from the dead because he knows that God has promised a lineage through Isaac, right? And that his, his children will be many through Isaac. And the situation with David is like Saul, you know, attempts to kill David on many times, like many times. And David never fears for any second that the promise of the Lord will return void, right? I mean, even in 1 Samuel 16, when, you know, David fights Goliath, we see like, or no, yeah, yes, Chapter 7, 16. Sorry, I'm losing my mind. Um, Where, you know, David is basically proclaiming to Goliath, like, I serve a God who is faithful and alive, right? And he will deliver you into my hands, right? Um, And the fact that he goes up to Goliath, this, like, nine foot six, corn fed Philistine, like, he's huge, man. I mean, and he's this small teen. I mean, I think he was around 14 to 16 years old when he fought Goliath. You know, imagine, like, your 14-year-old or 16-year-old brother or sister, or, well, I'll say brother just for the sake of the conversation, um, going up against this nine six tall dude who weighs, like, 400 pounds and is ready to smack down, you know? like, And he doesn't doubt for a second that God will deliver Goliath into his hands because he knows that God's promise will happen. Like, no matter what happens, it'll happen. You know, we're, nothing can change the fact that God promised David that he would be king. And you know, I think the two stories of Abraham and David parallel really well because God both promised them something, and they both stepped out on faith, knowing that it would happen. Um, but yeah, yeah. Anything else?
0: Nope. Uh, Ethan, who is your uh, biblical figure?
2: Hopefully, I didn't sound too bad. Sorry to move the microphone there. Um, yeah, I chose Daniel. Daniel is probably one of my, my favorite. I mean, they're all great. They're all great. You can't, you can't choose just one. But, uh, yeah, Daniel was, uh, someone I began to, let's see, probably about, was it this time last year or a little before? Um, some, sometime last year is when I really started looking into, um, Daniel, his life story. And I chose him because, uh, I think Daniel, uh, even though he's pre-Christ, right? He's, he's pre-Christian in general. I think he lives a very, very, um what I'm looking for a very very good template life almost for what a faithful like life looks like, even when uh you know it, it, living in a land in an exile where things are not just not biblical but you know very directly contrary right you know, and think about like his education his his situation again what's remarkable about Daniel is I feel that um He's able He's able to walk that line. One of my favorite sermon series from um, Mercy Hill um, was, I believe, over the summer. I think it was In Babylon, is that what it's called? Yeah. In Babylon? Loved that series. It was great. And I think what, what Pastor Hopper made a very good point of is the fact that it's— uh, many many of us, right, I, I feel like we can fall into two camps, right, where there's a rule for everything, right? Well, there's a rule for nothing at all. And I feel like what, what Daniel demonstrates very well is the fact that right, that there are lines, there are— uh, there are lines of faith or which he did not cross, but also he was someone who was, um, he did his job well. And actually, I can't remember, um, I believe it was a Vodi Votie Balcom. I don't know how exactly his name, uh, a certain preacher, um, who was giving a message on Daniel, essentially demonstrating that, you know, despite the fact that he wasn't a missionary, he wasn't serving in the temple, right? People might say that it was, he had a lesser than life, right? Because I feel like we we often make like a tier list of like you know good jobs, better jobs, best jobs. But his his life was extremely faithful and pleasing to God. And you know it, w- it wasn't that he, his life was isn't without trial, right? Tons of trials, right? That's that's what he's known for, right? Being in the lion's den. But the fact was that he did um, he did what was put before him faithfully, and that's what pleased God. So yeah, I I really enjoy Daniel, and I, I think that it's uh yeah, definitely definitely a good one to look at, especially. I'm talking about our stage of life, right? We're looking forward for how we want to spend our lives and what are the things we intend on doing, right? I feel like we can be often tempted to kind of make a checklist of different things that would be good, better, best, right? Not quite as good, um, but I think, I think, yeah, I think that's a good one to look at too. Just understanding that that faithfulness, um, yes, th- again, that, it, that contrast between a, a set rule book and complete laissez-faire, right? So, yeah, I, yeah, I just, I wanted, to, I, I looked at Daniel. Um. Not. Not. I say I looked at Dan as if I studied. I actually, to be completely honest with all of y'all, uh, I'm I'm kind of winging this right here. And there's a finals. <laughs> finals is coming up soon. And uh, yeah. But I've uh. The Lord will honor your honesty. <laughs> just, honest. I. Yeah. I'm unprepared. But no. Hit me with your fantastic questions, Fixie.
0: Yeah. Um. So. I don't know uh, what what would you say like I guess um obviously your fiance is here um so how, <laughs> hello Morgan um so I guess how would you i guess take the lessons that you've learned from Daniel how mm-hmm. would you put that into your relationship um especially when it comes to your engaged now um mm-hmm. uh, how would you take the lessons you've learned from Daniel? How would you put that into your relationship, especially when it comes into heading into marriage?
2: That is a very good question. Yeah, Dan- yeah Daniel, let's see, Daniel was never married. Dan- Daniel was a unit, correct? So he's, uh, he may not be the best guy to turn to, uh, but no, it's, uh, no, it's uh, in all honesty, I see what you're saying. It's, uh, it's a good thing. I-, I think what Daniel does well, is everything in his life right? It's it's in order, right? His he has a job that he does. He serves Babylon, right, um, for the king, right, for w- w- whatever king was. Or he he outlives so many of the kings there, right, because of his um, his faithfulness. But I think something to, to learn from Daniel in that res- uh, in that respect is the order in which he uh, places priority, right? His his priority of prayer, for example, will get him in trouble, right? He's not willing to compromise on prayer um, because work or you know being seen as you know in line with what the king says that doesn't come before prayer. But also, like, you can tell that he wasn't someone who was you know slacking, right? He wasn't taking extra sick days, right? He he had his he had his affairs in order. I think when if you're looking for um, tips for the marriage, tips with relationships, I think maybe a good lesson to walk away from would just having things in order, right? It's like. God comes first right mm-hmm. and and that's and that's thinking about being you know God willing father husband one day um you have to kind of look at the same thing. Okay, where's where, where's work fall into place? Where's 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 my wife fall into place of this? Where's uh, spending time with the kids, right? And if and if I'm doing things wrong, it's going to look really lopsided really quickly, right? And I think that maybe a good way to look at it is, you know, where are the things that you're unwilling to compromise with, and how do you stack those things up so it's pleasing God? And again, like it doesn't that doesn't look the same for everybody, just like Daniel, right? You don't, you don't have to be, um, you know, a a. a Pastor, a someone who is, is directly involved with missions as a as a source of income um, to be pleased to the world, Lord, so long as it is done in a faithful way. But that's how I
0: answer that question. Mm. Came with the hard questions, Ethan. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Morgan? Um, who uh, who did you choose?
4: So I chose to talk about Jesus, which is ah <laughs> yes, <laughs> let's go. The oh, ultimate one. <laughs> Very large topic, but I just want to more touch so upon like how when jesus was here on earth like how he treated the people around him like he wasn't going to the people that were perfect because none of us are perfect we're all Mm -hmm. broken people and otherwise there would have been no reason for him to come down here but just like seeing the grace that he shows people and showed people that just like how we should be treating people today like he went to the broken people such as the man with leprosy or the woman at the well like he went to the people that were cast out of society and he welcomed them in and showed them so much love and just like looking out into the world today it's like people are not perfect we have to show patience and just kind of like the phrase what would Jesus do just like continuing to reflect on like yeah like we're not we're gonna mess up but Jesus God, where going? I you know
0: and that, that that's such a hard <laughs> thing to do uh, right because like Jesus was perfect and we're not and just like um, it's very like easy I guess to hold us to the st- ourselves to the standard of Jesus uh, but ultimately that ultimately that can lead to um, I guess not to lead yourself to not be in a good place because um we, us as human beings can't uh, lead for perfection, but we can lean for excellence for sure, um, especially because uh, it's very easy, especially in conflicts, it's easy for ourselves to uh, evaluate the situation and see what we did right and what the other person did wrong instead of for admitting fault on our end and just blaming the other person entirely.
4: No, it's very easy to do. Even I saw myself like earlier doing this, like when someone like hurts you, you just if you don't forgive them, you just like build up with like so much anger and it just starts to eat away at you and like you tell other people and then you start to gossip and it's like just like slow down. Like what would Jesus do? He would forgive them. And like when you have that forgiveness for that person, it kind of just like that love for them shines through and you're just able to be at peace.
2: Right. Yeah, I think of uh I think of Paul, right? Be angry but do not let your son, do not let the sun go down in your anger, right? Things like that where it's not that you don't I, I feel like man, that's that's so good. And I yeah, I think Morgan hit the nail on the head too, especially with with uh talking about the people that, that Jesus um spoke to, people that Jesus was interacting with, with his ministry. It's what got part of what got him in so much trouble, right? Because he was very much looked down on um for the people he interacted with. And you know, you better believe that he 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 received some, um, some undeserved words, some undeserved actions, right? Uh, beatings that he did not deserve in his life. And I just, it it is remarkable to me. His, <laughs> it's 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 not that he was what's what's the word indifferent, but it's like he was, um, yeah, he did not return um, evil for evil, right? And I think that's that's we we can almost see him as someone who is like, if we're not careful, someone who is just like you know. Doesn't register with the situation, but he is registering with the situation. He he is very much aware, um, more than we will ever be of evil, right? Because he he lives by the perfect standard. But just um, yeah, so so much to learn from that. Yeah. So
0: Morgan, I uh, give I've given everyone else a question <laughs> to go along. Um, so I, obviously, we all have like um, some darknesses inside us, some doubts that we have. Um, and you touched a little bit earlier in your testimony about like the anxiety that you have experiences beforehand. Um, I guess uh, knowing like what Jesus did and how he treated other people, how would you say that uh, even when you're dealing with those doubts in yourself, in your own head, how has that led you to treat others uh, as Jesus did, even when you have those things going on inside your head?
4: um i think just cuz i can i have a tendency to look like for the positives in other people and the negatives in myself if that does, if that mm-hmm. makes sense relatable <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> which um and it's just kind of i was doing a bible plan and it was it kept mentioning how when you see those negatives even in yourself and in other people just remember the word redeemed like he came here he forg- he's forgiven us and he's redeemed us from that and we're all deserving of that.
0: Yeah. JJ, my man,
3: how uh, who'd you pick? So this was very difficult to choose, um, but thinking about it, uh, spending some quiet time, I decided to, to talk about Joshua. Mm. Um, we all know the verse in Joshua as the end when... Um, He's telling the Israelites for who to serve in uh, Joshua 24, 15, where he says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that has been a verse since I was like a kid that has always stayed in my head, always. And um, we know that Joshua was second in command with Moses. And he led an invasion, which later led to them having the promised land that was promised to God from God to them. Uh, Personal significance for me personally is that that's the uh, the name that I was given to by my parents when I was born. So that is always a sense of like remembering who, what my name stands for and where that comes from. And just remembering that in Joshua's life, we see that he wasn't perfect by all means, not at all. He wasn't perfect, but he was a leader that God used Mm -hmm. through time to help Israel to become what it is today. And even though through through the experiences that he's faced, um, Israel still had a God who was merciful and was faithful toward them, even though us as people, we are the furthest from faithful to God, not, not always where we want to be, but he always mentions be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. And also, too, through time, God just did amazing things with Joshua and with the Israelites. Uh, we remember the, another story where in the Red Sea, the uh, Pharaoh is coming to get them back because he, um, his pride in his heart and heart, after letting them go, God protects the Israelites with um, flooding the Red Sea, or spreading the Red Sea, excuse me, and then... Having pillars of fire and clouds to protect them to show God's love for them. A great thing I remember too is, don't be af- don't be afraid to be around others, right? So, through time, in Joshua, we see that he's with Caleb, he's with Moses, and Moses was like that discipler in a way that taught him that showed him how to live for Jesus, well, for God at that point. And it shows him too how great it is to be discipled by. Someone who, who's a little older than you, but also just, like, building great relationships with other people. Another thing I love about it is making God the center of family. The last thing, as I mentioned at the beginning, he says to the Israelites as he's going to die soon, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I always think about that, too, because as time goes on in the future, I've thought about it a lot. Um, I will be potentially, not now, but later on, a husband, a father. And always, my main emphasis, and I'm praying to God about this daily, is making sure that my house and my line serves the Lord. Mm. And I have great examples of that in my life, which is amazing, but also just like making it personal to me, which is just, which I hope to do. And it won't always be perfect, but I hope that happens.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, that's good. I mean, like we always, you know, everyone who aspires to like just be a leader in general should always keep that verse in mind. You know, it's like, is, is what I'm doing in my daily life glorifying to the Lord, right? Does, do I acknowledge him in every action that I take? Um, am I living a Proverbs 3, 5 through 6? You know, am I, in all my ways, am I trusting him, right? Am I acknowledging him? Um... And you know, dude, like when we do that, I mean, it's it's just a given. Like, if if you trust the Lord with your heart and you believe Him and you obey Him, like you will serve the Lord. You know, it's like there's. I mean, it's like was, we were talking about earlier. It's like David and Abraham. Like they believed with all their hearts that what God had told them would happen. And even like even Joshua too, because God had told the Israelites that He would deliver Jericho into their hands. You know, and they're like. You know, they're the only two people of the of the spies that Israel sent in to determine like how hard it would be or what's their defense like or I don't know some like you know strategic stuff. They're the only two that said we can do this. Like there is no problem at all. But everyone else backed away in fear and didn't trust the Lord. You know, and man, that's a great. Josh is just a great example. There's yeah. so many. There's so many great there's examples. So, so it's just like. Ones it's just finding the right one for, you know, for the conversation. And I think that was a great example, JJ. Yeah,
0: well done, JJ. Um, I'm trying to think of a question, but like, um, yeah. So I guess um, obviously you were touching on uh, in your house, you will serve the Lord. Um, I guess uh, hopefully, uh, Lord willing, your father one day, what will that like look like? in your household, like, raising your children to serve the Lord?
3: Ideally. 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 (laughs) Well, first, right, um, I think it comes with just leading by example. Um, How can you tell your kids to do something if you're not doing it yourself, right? That's where I always go to first. And also, too, like, taking the time to, I mean, yeah, they're your kids, but, like, building personal and really close and great relationships with them just comes key as well. I also, too, think of how can I be a role model for them and also leading the house and also just loving my wife as myself and what the Bible tells me to do with that as well, be what I would hope to do.
0: Yeah, no, that's really good. Um, so I chose John, ah, the beloved disciple. Ah. Yeah, uh, so a little bit of background on John. Uh, born in the first century, um, not much is known about his early years um, other than he was likely raised in a Jewish community. Um, believe, he was believed to be well-versed in Jewish traditions and scriptures, um, and obviously he became one of the Twelve Disciples. Uh, he formed a very intimate circle with Jesus, Um and like I said, he is known as the beloved disciple um, in John thirteen twenty three, One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was, rec- was reclining next to him. <laughs> um, and yeah, so to touch a little bit on uh, John's transformation, um, so just picture this for a second. Uh, bustling shores of the Sea of Galilee, con- the constant smell of fish, mending nets daily. That was John's life before Christ.
1: It's kind of rough. Yeah, I know.
0: Yeah, and he did this along with his brother James and his father Zebedee. Zebedee, whatever. Zebedee. And then in walks Jesus. Um, So uh, for those of you who know the book of Matthew, uh, Jesus gets into Simon and Andrew, Simon who's later called Peter, um, he gets into their boat, um, Matthew, 4, uh, Matthew 4, verses 19 through 22. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him, and going on from there he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And so... Some of you may ask, why would they just get up and follow some dude who just says, come with me? I'll make you fishers of men. Like, if some random dude walked up to me and be like, that dude's kind of (laughs) weird. Can't confirm. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, no, why, why just get up and follow some random dude? Um. Uh, in in this kind of instance, I kind of like to imagine Jesus performed some sort of like miracle, like if he were to like cast out his own net and caught hundreds of fish.
1: Well, I think he did with um, Simon. Oh, okay. yeah. So in Luke chapter, I think in Luke, I was reading it this week. Um, I mean, he's basically just telling. Um, he said he cast your net to the other side, and they okay, did, that's they, they, where they I obey got that. him and. They catch enough fish to fill up both boats, and both the boats were drowning. Okay, that's where I right. Got and that at that point, point, Peter falls, or Simon at the time falls to his feet and said, "Who am I, Lord? That you that you are standing in front of me? Go away, get away from me! I'm not worthy to be in front of you." Right? Okay, yeah, yeah okay, yeah. that's where so, I did get it from. Yeah, you it know, wasn't I, just some random yeah, who was like, "Hey, was come just, follow me," and then nothing happened. And then yeah, they were like, "Yeah, yeah sure, why not?" <laughs> yeah,
0: but, no. but in this context, uh, I learned that, like, in reality, this just reflects and emphasizes the transformative power of Jesus' words and presence. And the response to Jesus' call reflects a profound trust and obedience to his authority. Um, another thing about uh, John's transformation is he constantly witnessed miracles in the teachings of Jesus. Mm. Um, yeah. And I bring that up because we all witness our own miracles in our walks. Uh, and I, pro, uh, I have eight different examples and the reason I'm giving all these different examples is because it highlights the intimate circle John had with Jesus, yeah. and all of these examples are literally, like, in the Gospel of John, all, all in this one book. And uh, it, I think this can attest to the uh, miracles Jesus brings to our lives. Um, example number one, the wedding in Cana. John 2, verses 1 through 11. Um, I'm not going to read out the verses, because we'll be here all day if we (laughs) read out all...
1: Where was this wedding?
0: Cana. C-A-N-A.
1: Oh, Cana. Sorry. Cana, sorry. sorry. (laughs) I'm just like, okay, wait a minute. I don't know (laughs) how to pronounce words, okay? (laughs) Zabidi! (laughs) I'm
4: sorry, I'm just pulling you. you. (laughs) And
0: so in this instance, Jesus and his disciples, including John, uh, they were invited to the wedding feast, um, and the wine ran out. And long story short, Jesus turns the water into wine. Um, I think a lot of people know this story. Um, And it's a gesture that – gesture, not jester, gesture. It's a gesture that reveals his divine power. um, And this event marked the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. Mm. And John saw that firsthand, um, and he saw the transformative nature of Jesus' miracles in that first instance. Um, second example is the healing of the official son in John four verses 40, uh, 46 through 54. Um, in this instance, Jesus heals the son of a royal official. The official approached Jesus seeking help for his dying son. Um, Jesus displaying his healing power declared the boy would live. And John was also there to witness the unfolding of that miraculous healing. Um, Another example, feeding the 5,000, uh, John 6, verses 1 through 15. Uh, they only had five loaves of bread and two fish. This event showcased Jesus' ability to provide an in abundance mm. and highlighted his compassion for hungry crowds. Yeah. John, among the disciples, played a role in disturbing the miraculously multiplied food, and... When when I was reading this, um, Stephen, I thought of you mm. <laughs> when you were support raising for... Um, City Project. City Project. Yeah. And you were worried about support raising.
1: Yeah, God definitely multiplied the loaves and the, and the fish for me. Yeah. Um, I'll expand on that just for a short second, and then we can get back to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, I was... Anyone who did City Project, so if you're listening and you did City Project, then you know what support raising is. But for those of you who don't like... We had a set amount of money we had to raise to basically pay for the things that we were going to do in the summer for the church. And City Project was something that the college ministry at Mercy Hill does during the summer basically invites students to learn how to evangelize. And we would end up at the end of the summer go and go on the mission field for like a week or so. A week or so. I know some people like the group to India went for 13 days, so close to two weeks. But like three or four of those days were traveling because it's like a 18-hour flight, which is rough. Um, But anyway, you know, we would do this during the summer and we would learn how to share the gospel with people. And a part of, you know, the beginning of doing City Project was learning how to trust in the Lord to provide for what they know they've called them to, right? And a big part of the confirmation and knowing whether or not God really did call me to do City Project was how, like, how faithful he was in my support raising, Um, so the number we had to raise was $5,000 for the whole summer. So that basically included the long-term trip. So I went to Honduras, um, with our students ministry, um, and I was blessed to be able to lead, to be a leader on that trip. Um, and we went to Nova Scotia as well to visit a church plant. So it would basically pay for all of the trips, um, you know, food, um, you know, and we lived in host homes. So we didn't really, so those of you who, um you know don't necessarily live in north carolina or in high point or greensboro would have a host home like a family that would basically open up their house to you and you would live in right and that would be your home for the summer and they would basically pour into you at least my experience living in my host home is i'm still living there and the move out date was 6 months ago that's not normal by the <laughs> that's way that's not normal and and it's like I'm still living in this environment where I'm being poured into daily. You know, it's it's like I live with five kids, two dogs. One of those kids is a two-year-old um, and wakes me up every morning right on the dot at 8.15. Um, and it's with the same scream. So, but it's like, you know, I'm still living in that situation where I'm being poured into, right? And that's just, you know, the blessing of the people who gave and supported me was so – it just – it pours to the importance or it points to the importance of just being able to see God's faithfulness in support raising and then understanding that if you hadn't reached that goal, it's kind of like you wouldn't have been able to experience all the things that you experienced. For me, it was my host family and going to Honduras with my friends and growing in relationships with other people, right? So it's like God's faithfulness in my support raising was definitely clear. And it's yeah. like trusting in him to support that regardless of how much doubt I had in my heart. Right, Because it was hard. I mean, there were times where I was like, I don't know if I'm going to get it or not. But I also knew that I felt a strong calling, and I knew the Lord had told me to do City Project, and I knew that if he called me to do something, he wouldn't leave me hanging.
0: Yeah. You know, that's another example of how John's experiences can definitely relate relate to us, for sure. Um, Another miracle uh, John witnessed was the walking on water in John 6, verses 16 through 21. Um, This was after he fed the 5,000, um, Jesus walked on the Sea of Gal- Galilee to reach his disciples who were on a boat. And John, along with the other disciples, witnessed the, uh, the astounding display of Jesus' power. Um, not just like, I, I not just over like, w- trying to figure out an analogy here, but like he, he has essentially power over the elements here. Yeah, command um, over them, yeah. For, and it's further solidifying their understanding of his divine nature. Um, an, an, another miracle uh, is healing the blind man in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. This is why I said I wouldn't read every verse because we'd be here all day. No, you're good, dude. Yeah, no. Um, in this instance, Jesus restored sight to a man who was born blind, not created blind but literally born blind like he had never yeah. seen anything in yeah. his entire life um and John was there to witness not only the physical healing but also the spiritual insight that the blind man gained mm. um and he recognized Jesus as a prophet and this miracle led this miracle also led to increased tension
1: with the Pharisees yeah I know that like most people am um... As I'm reading Luke, it's like most people, when Jesus did all of these um, miracles, they recognized him as a prophet, not as who he was claiming to be. You know, they kind of, they kind of got 70% there, you know, they're like, oh, this man's a prophet. He's from God. As opposed to, I am the son of man. God sent me for you. Right. It's like we, we got to the point where it was, or they got to the point where like they believed that he was from God but the Pharisees were always there lurking around the corners like, who's this man who forgives sins, you know, and proclaims power and authority in the name of God, right? In God's name. Like that's, we only see one person really do Bull. that and it work out, right? I mean, it is Jesus. Yeah. And um, it's interesting to think about how, yes, you know, there are prophets who performed miracles, but, you know, Jesus was the ultimate prophet, you know, and he was the son of God. And he was on earth to tell us about, what he brings to the table, and yeah. yeah.
0: So I got last three, uh, last three examples. Um, number one is raising Lazarus from the dead in John eleven verses one through forty four. Um, probably one of the most dramatic moments in the gospel. Um, in this, John describes Jesus raising Lazarus, who has been dead for four days. Um, the resurrection of Lazarus foreshadowed. Jesus' owned impending resurrection and further solidified John's belief in Jesus's divine authority over life and death. Um, number two, the last supper, uh, John 13 verses one through 17. Um, in this, uh, story, um, this is more of a little, a teaching than a miracle. Um, Jesus washes the feet of his disciples in this. Um this illustr in like Jesus claiming to be God. Is God is <laughs> yeah right yeah, on top of is God that
1: he actually is yeah
0: washed the feet of his disciples humbled himself. Yeah this I mean if this doesn't illustrate sacrificial love I don't know what does
1: I mean you see it you see another instance like this in Luke seven, um, verse you know, verses thirty-six through the end, and it's the woman in her alabaster box. Like she doesn't have water to wash Jesus' feet, so she washes them with his with her tears. Basically her tears are coming out, basically saying she's crying out of a out of a vulnerable spot a vulnerable spot, saying like I'm not worthy of the love that Jesus has given me. And that moves her to such a point of vulnerability to where she's crying, crying enough to wash Jesus's feet with her tears. Right? right? I mean, the kind of humility that that takes is, 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 is incredible, right. you know, and it's just a beautiful, it's just a beautiful example. Yeah. You know? and-, and
0: that, and that Jesus doing that to his disciples, that's illustrating huge humility. Mm, yeah. And it pretty much characterizes him and his disciples relationships
1: yeah, and ultimately what it means to be a leader too yeah. it's like it's to you know look after who you're leading
0: and it became a huge symbol on Jesus's teachings and on service and love not cuz like Jesus who literally was god i mean if he if he's doing that how can we say we're better than someone yeah
1: yeah yeah and That's
0: then last example most important thing of the gospel the crucifixion yeah John 19 verses 17 through 30 in these verses it's essentially describing how John stood by Jesus Jesus's side during the crucifixion an intensely emotional and pivotal moment from the cross Jesus entrusted the care of his own mother Mary to John yeah and this is underscoring the deep bond that Jesus had with John, the deep intimate circle that they were in together um, and then John was able to witness the ultimate act of love and sacrifice that Jesus did on that cross. yeah and then um, so yeah, that touches a bit on John's transformation. I mean
1: even ultimately after that it's right like you get, he gets to witness the even even better. Yeah. Like the resurrection of Christ. Right. Which is exactly what he came to do to begin with.
0: Yeah. And I'm gonna touch on that here in a second. Yeah. Yeah. Um and we can definitely connect a lot of this John's experiences with personal struggles. Number one being self worth. Um started with John's journey. The start of John's journey, he was a fisherman. Um imagine the self doubt that plagued him. Because fishing, it's a noble noble profession. But it's not exactly what society would deem extraordinary. Um, and Jesus extended the transformative invitation when he says, follow me. That wasn't just an offer to like, leave behind his nets. That was an affirmation of John's worth. John, how do you, John had to wrestle with the idea that he was deserving of a purpose beyond the ordinary.
4: And I think with that, Jesus had also met him when he was almost like at one of his lowest points. Like he was, they were going, if I understand correctly, they they were almost out of money and couldn't afford to live I anymore. I think he correct? had
1: just
0: gotten out of prison too or something like that.
1: I'm not entirely sure. Um, uh, I would need to read this, the passage of scripture to basically, I'm not going to. paraphrase and just getting it wrong.
0: The the gospel of Matthew, like, touches on, like, John...
1: I know um, that they, like Morgan said, they were in a difficult position. Right. They had basically reached a point where they were fighting to stay alive, and they were fishing day and night. Well, not night. Yeah, day and night. um, Except on Sabbath, right? But it's like, man, he, it's crazy how (laughs) Jesus comes to most of the people whom he does ministry with at a low point in their life. Right. I mean, you think about the woman at the well, like Morgan mentioned earlier. It's like, she was the first person whom Jesus made his, is himself known to outside of his disciples. right? Like at least starting the point of his ministry of telling people, right. People would make assumptions about him before, but like she was the first person who'd say, he would say in front of hers, I am the Messiah. Right. Um, And like, imagine what she was going through. I mean, she had, you know, five husbands and the one she was living with now, the man she was living with now wasn't her husband, right? And it's like, she is cast out. I mean, like we were talking earlier about how, you know, the people, the very people that Christians um, judge so harshly today are the very people that Jesus did his ministry with, you know? And it's like, how can, you know, we look at every person that Jesus Um, did ministry with and, you know, look at ourselves and say, "Ah, I wouldn't hang out with that person or God couldn't use them. Right. Um, But the point I was trying to make is like, you know, God comes to us and he makes, he reveals himself. Most of the time, I mean, I feel like in my life, it, the experience that I've had is that it's at the lowest points of my life that I realize that God is faithful. Yeah, you know, it's very, it's very easy to be comfortable when you're up on top of that mountain and you've you're reaching a spiritual high, and then you're like, man, I don't, and then it's, it, or you reach the mentality where it's like, man, I don't really need God. I'm doing well on my own, right? And you start taking credit for the faithfulness that He's had in your life. Yeah, um,
0: and I think that's definitely something we can all relate to, especially with John here, because we often question our capabilities, and whether we're deserving of a more meaningful life. Mm -hmm. Um, John's transformation teaches us that we're worthy of a higher calling, and we're worthy of breaking free from the nets that tether us to mediocrity. Just like him. And the third thing uh, that I can touch on about relatable struggles is relationships. Biggest thing when it comes to Christianity is relationships. Um, John wasn't just a casual observer. Um, he was part of, like I said, he was a part of an intimate circle around Jesus. Um, so let's pick, let's picture the last supper for a second. Um, Jesus, the, the teacher humbly washed the feet of his disciples, including John. The profound lesson in humility, love, this teaches a profound lesson of humility, love and the equality of all in the eyes of the divine and look at our own struggle whether it's like with our it's a relationship with ourselves or with others there's a powerful lesson here the act of service and of acknowledging the worth of every individual mm-hmm. speaks to the heart it speaks to the heart of healing fractured relationships yeah yeah john's experience challenges us to approach our connections with humility empathy and the recognitions of the value in each person. And then, um, actually, uh, I have one more uh, uh, struggle, relatable struggle to talk on. And it's huge today in society depression.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%.
0: And the Gospel of John doesn't exactly address mental health, but let's consider the moments of loss and despair, like the crucifixion. John stood at the foot of the cross. He witnessed the agony and death of his friend and his teacher. Can you imagine the emotional, the emotional toll that would take on someone? In our struggles with depression, our moments of darkness, it, it can feel insurmountable. And I think John here John's experience experiences acknowledge the reality of sadness and grief that we live in. Especially on, on in the sinful world that we live in, what one more thing I want
2: to point out that makes the Gospel of John so unique, right? Is that one verse in uh, during the resu- res- resurrection of Lazarus? Say that ten times fast. Um, just those single line. Jesus wept, and he intended to arrive late um, after he had passed away. And it's one of those things where if if the topic of conversation is talking about grief, right? I mean. Uh, just the fact that Jesus himself felt sadness, you know, despite the fact that he's God, right? He's all the power in the universe, yet he still felt sadness for an evil that had happened. It, it kind of makes us look um, and kind of ask that question, why? Well, I think I believe that the answer why is because the joy that he must have felt, right, that of both in Lazarus and himself, of Lazarus uh, coming out of the tomb, must have had such a far greater weight than that temporary sadness. That's the only thing I can really come to reckon with. And uh, yeah we're talking about the crucifixion of Christ. I think that's again the same thing. I can only imagine the uh, the glory right the joy of uh, of John Jesus being you know reunited again again in paradise after all their trials and tribulations right and It's one of those things where it it, it kind of shines more light on the idea of the fact that Jesus um, is not foreign to sadness. he's not foreign to misery grief. it's not wrong to feel sad. Um, it's, uh, but in fact, it's it's those those moments that we see in the Gospel of John that are so dark
0: are some of the most beautiful, right? Yeah, you jumped to you jumped to my next point for me. <laughs>
2: oh, did
0: I? Yeah, no, uh, yeah, I was gonna say like his story doesn't end at the crucifixion. True. Sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, that's 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 the good part. Um, there's hope in the resurrection. There's hope in renewal, and it serves as a beacon. It, it those hopes serve as a beacon with those struggling with mental health issues. Um, last thing I'll touch on is finding our worth in Christ through John. I'm going to talk about one thing and one thing only and it's going to be quick. The beloved disciple. That title right there. Not just a title. It is a statement about the nature of a relationship with Christ. It is to to be to be beloved is to be unconditionally loved. Mm. It is like our whole life is a quest for worth. Yeah. But we find in John's narrative a model that transcends achievement or perfection. Our worth is not contingent on our actions, but on the boundless love Jesus extends to each and every one of us.
1: Yeah, and that's for everyone. Like, it... it I know it was kind of like an ob- like a captain obvious point, but like, you know, Jesus has made it abundantly clear that he's come to serve, not to be served, and to love, right? I mean, when we think about um, just, you know, being beloved, like unconditionally, like people, people, you know, every day like people conditionally. Oh, I like what this person can do for me. I like how they treat me, or I like them for how they treat me, or I like, I like them for what I see to gain out of this relationship. Jesus has nothing to gain in having a relationship with us because if we have nothing we can give Jesus except praise right for what he's done for us because you know we're we're just at this point where we aren't capable of of providing anything that Jesus ultimately needs but he shows interest in us and love for us and a love so deep that it's like He'll do anything for us, even die and be rose again. You know, and so I think that's just it's you know, something that's really you know, like you said, like the word beloved, like beloved disciple applies to everyone who chooses to believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and to live their lives for the Lord, you know? But yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyone else have any closing remarks before we wrap up here? Cool. So, yeah, uh, thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. Uh, Steven, thank you so much for stepping in for WIT. You're welcome. Uh, Ethan and Morgan, thank you so much for uh, being guest speakers on our podcast. You're so welcome. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And we will see you guys next time on our next episode of Believing Bravely.